Hey everyone and welcome to the Greater Than Podcast. My name is Elijah Murrow. Listen, this is the season finale for season two of the Greater Than Podcast. And I can't think of a better way to end it than to end it with the last session of the Spirit Wind Conference done by my good friend, Pastor Micah Herbert from Taney Love Church. This is going to bless your life and encourage you to worship the Father in spirit and in truth. Sit back, relax, and enjoy the last session of the Spirit Wind Conference. I feel like a sponge that's been soaking in his glory for a week. And the second y'all pull, it just comes out, man. Oh. <laughs> he is so good. Do you, I, I don't know if you understand, like, we get to do this. Like, he, he could pick anyone. I promise you there are way smarter people in this world than this guy right here. There are way better equipped people. And I'm sure by some standards, there'd be way more anointed people. But see, God doesn't, God doesn't base his, I guess, his choosing off of the world's standards. He picked fishermen. He got a napkin for me. I left my towel in the car, man. It's the worst day to do that. <sighs> Praise the Lord. I literally feel like that. I, I mean, I, I get to sit here. And I just get to watch and observe. And see what God's doing in people's lives. And I get to partake in that. And it's just, you, you got to see this from my perspective. You got to see people come in one way and leave another. You got to see lives transformed through your, just just like like that, simply by laying on of hands. People's hearts change. People's hearts transform. Gifts that once seemed like they were fizzled out be be kindled again. Like Dustin said last night, I think there's been some fire, some 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 kindling, some wood put on some fires this week. I mean, like. Like, I think there was a little wood, maybe in the beginning, beginning of the week, some kindling. I, uh, see, I camp with my, I have some friends that we usually try to go camping every year, and I, I'm, I'm in charge of the fire, I'm in charge of the kitchen, I like to do that. But to start a fire, you need small, I mean, sometimes the small piece of cotton or leaves or grass. Now, a piece of grass burns up like that real quick, not much fuel. But it's, it's a spark, and it starts. Then you start adding some twigs, and then you start adding some, some smaller sticks, some bigger sticks, and some logs. And I feel like that's what this week has been. It's been, a, it's been these fires that have been inside people's lives, and I think some of you guys didn't know that they were there. I think some of you had hoped that maybe there was something there. Some of you had maybe desired for there to be something there. But this week has been, it's been it, was, it was a little kindling, uh, then some sticks, and then some woods, and I'm pretty sure somewhere in the last couple of days it's just some gallons of gasoline poured on that thing. But I feel so overwhelmed here in a good way. <laughs> Elijah goes, sing that song again. I was like, man, I can't even talk. <laughs> I'm up here trying to stand up on my own, let alone sing. Do you, do you know who we get to hang out with every day? I mean, come on. 
the Alpha, the Omega, the beginning and the end, the creator of the universe, right? In the springtime, flowers grow. Why? Because God made it that way. The sun comes up, the sun goes down. Why? Because God made it that way. And he said when he created it, it's good. He did all of that, and then he made us. And he chooses to come and hang out with us. Come on. Look at, look at I me. Mean, what Jesus did on the cross wasn't, wasn't just to remove your sin. You have to understand that. That wasn't the end of the road for him. That wasn't even like the purpose. It was a means to an end. Your sin had to be removed so you could stand next to God. Your sin had to go so you could be in fellowship with him. God doesn't desire you to be clean for the sake of you being clean. He desires you to be clean so he can give you a hug and hang out with you. Come on. That's the God that we serve. We forget about this. It's like the most important thing. If you read the word and see anything other than God pursuing you for an intimate relationship, you're reading it wrong, man. You need to change your perspective. Old Testament or new? When Jesus ascended on the mountain, what did he tell him? Come on. God desires an intimate relationship. He wants to be close. He says he's a friend that sticks closer to a brother. I don't know if you guys have brothers, but I do. I've got Four of them? Yeah, four brothers. Sorry, there's a lot of us. I, had a, I literally had to count. I was like, one, two, three. Okay, yeah. And we get pretty close. I mean, I shared a bed with my younger brother for about two years. Sleep back to back. That's the only non-weird way to do that. That's close, right? That's close. But God says he wants to be closer than that. This week has been nothing but a pursuit of God to his people. All the power, all the miracles, all the signs, all the wonders, that's him pursuing you. I mean, if, I mean, don't, don't, just follow me, okay? Calm down, breathe, okay? That is the most romantic thing I've ever witnessed in my entire life. And I'm, I'm serious about that. Don't come at me. You can, you can at Elijah. Don't at me. It's fine. It's his conference. It's the most romantic thing I have ever seen. It's the pursuit of relationship. It's the pursuit, the pursuit of fellowship. That's all that he's doing. Is he, he, he just wants to come and hang out with you. It's a rigged system. It's rigged. It's, in, it's rigged to your favor. We get so caught up in trying to look a certain way. Now, now I, I'm not coming against wearing certain clothes or, or dressing fancy, but sometimes we think we have to be perfect before we come to the kingdom of heaven. Sometimes we think we got to look right, or I got to repent, or I got to do this thing, or we see, we see shame on our lives because we've done something shameful, but then we attest our shame to the Father, and we think he sees us as shameful, but all he does is love us. He just wants to hang out with us, man. You, you got to try this. You got to come watch one of these things from this spot. I'm telling you. To see the, see the power of God hover and just go into people's lives when no one touches them. See, I get to see all of you. I know you guys think I'm closing my eyes all the time. I usually am. But sometimes when I can lift them, I see someone in the back getting touched. See someone, see someone walk into a new level of intimacy with the Father. And it's the most amazing thing. I'm so blessed and humbled to be able to be here. 
Elijah, I want to thank you for being obedient and putting this on. I, uh, um, man, I just am overwhelmed. Elijah called me a week ago and goes, hey, man, um, I mean, everyone knows what went on with the Hart family. Our wonderful, amazing sister Mary went home to be with the Lord. This was supposed to be her spot. And he goes, he goes, do you want to take it? And I was like, I can do it, but like, come on, that's some shoes. But something I remember about Mary is that she just loved people and she wanted you to know how much Jesus loved you. That's right. That's what her favorite thing was to share about Jesus' love and Jesus' healing power. And so I, I, I want to honor the house. I want to honor the other speakers who have come. I mean, I'm the last day. I mean, you know the list of names that have been before me. <laughs> I don't know, Dustin felt a little bit like this last night. But see, God doesn't desire quantity. He doesn't desire a lot of words. He desires quality. Whew, none of that's my message. I just thought I'd share that. That's for free, like Elijah says. Man, he's just so good. He's so good. I could probably just talk about his goodness, and it would do us all a benefit, but I feel like there's a little bit he wants me to get out. So, um, Justin, have you ever been to a conference where you're the last speaker, and you're studying, and then someone preaches your message, and then you go, okay, let's do something else, and then you're studying, and then someone else preaches your message, and then you study again, and someone else preaches your message. Well, that's been going on this week. So, I realize that you guys are about as spiritual as I am. So we're all on the same page, right? No, I'm just joking. I'm joking. I'm joking. I'm joking. I'm joking. I'm joking. But it, it just shows how the Holy Spirit's been moving. I necessarily wasn't picking up something. I was picking up the thing he wanted to bring to this conference. And so in studying for this and asking the Lord, I, uh, there's one verse that, that uh, keeps coming up to me. And it's, and it's one of my favorite stories in the Bible, and I'd like to share it with you guys this morning. Whew, man, okay, I think I've calmed down a little bit. No promises. So we're going to go to John in chapter 4, and Father, we just lift this word up to you this morning. We just lift it up to you, Father, that you would, you would speak your heart to your people. You would speak your love for your people, you would, you would continue to, to pursue after them. They would feel that pursuit. Not that you would continue, but that they would witness it, that they would sense it. And they would draw near to you in Jesus' name. So we're going to read some scripture here. I hope that's okay. We are in a church after all. So let's start in John uh, chapter 4. <clears throat> Hold on, let me, get, let me get some water. Let's do this the right way. How, how do you all balance this water bottle down here without spilling it? I've watched that thing shake so close. Hold on. <laughs> I'm going to put the cap back on. My face in this message not holding that water bottle, so we're just going to leave that there. Okay. Okay. Now when Jesus learned that the Pharisees had heard that Jesus was making, a bap that was Jesus was making and baptizing more disciples than John, Although Jesus himself did not baptize, but only his disciples, he left Judea and departed again for Galilee, and he had to pass through Samaria. So he came to a town in Samaria called Sychar. That's what I'm going to say it's called. Near the field that Jacob had given to his son, Joseph. Jacob's well was there. So Jesus, wearied as he was from his journey, was sitting beside the well, and it was about the sixth hour. A woman from Samaria came to draw water. Jesus said to her, give me a drink. 
for his disciples had gone away into the city to buy food. The Samaritan woman said to him, How is it that you, a Jew, ask for a drink from me, a woman of Samaria? Do you guys know why that's significant? Just a little pause here. First of all, it's a a religious leader man talking to a woman. That's already a a no-no. But the Samaritans and Jews did not like each other. I mean, you you might say that they were they were enemies in some instances. They they believed difference. There was a, a lot of racial tension between those two groups of people. So there was a lot of faux pas here. Jesus being a Jewish religious man talking to a Samaritan woman. There was a lot of like, you don't we don't do that. I mean, there was a lot of there's a lot of Jews who never even talked to Samaritans, like they w- wouldn't even acknowledge them. So this was a big deal for Jesus to talk to the Samaritan woman, culturally, I will say. Um, For Jews have no dealings with Samaritans. Verse 10, Jesus answered her, if you knew the gift of God and who it is that is saying to you, give me a drink, you would have asked him and he would have given you living water. The woman said to him, sir, you have nothing to draw water with and the well is deep. Man, that's a good sermon right there, but we'll kind of keep going. Where do you get that living water? Are you greater than our father Jacob? He gave us this well and drank from it himself, as did his sons and his livestock. Jesus said to her, everyone who drinks of this water will be thirsty again, but whoever drinks of the water that I will give him will never be thirsty again. The water that I will give him will become in him a spring of water welling up to eternal life. That welling up sounds a little bit like a fire, doesn't it? Isn't it awesome how God can put a fire in you? He can put a well in you. He can put a spring. It's all the same thing. It's just the Holy Spirit. The woman said to him, Sir, give me the water so that I will not be thirsty or have to come here to draw water. Jesus said, Go to your husband and go get your husband and come here. The woman said, I don't have a husband. And Jesus said, you are, you are right in saying I have no husband, for you have had five husbands, and the one you now have is not your husband. What you have said is true. And the woman said, this is my favorite part, Sir, I perceive you to be a prophet. I mean, <laughs> yeah, some guy just reads your mail like that. It's, it's a wise woman right there. I just love how she's like, I don't know. I just think that's so funny because so many times we read the Bible and we imagine these characters as like superheroes. We imagine these people as like, we read it like we would read a Lord of the Rings book. Or we read it like we would read some other story of sometimes that happened in a galaxy far, far away, right? These were real people with real things that were going on in their lives. This is a real conversation that Jesus had with this woman, and it's so awesome. Hold on, I lost my spot. Here we go. Our fathers worship on this mountain, but you say that in Jerusalem is the place where people ought to worship. And Jesus said to hear, Woman, believe me, the hour is coming when neither on this mountain or in Jerusalem will you worship the Father. You worship what you do not know. We worship what we know, for salvation is from the Jews. But... The hour is coming and is now here when the true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and truth. For the Father is seeking such people to worship Him. He is pursuing after you. He is seeking after you. He is seeking after true worshipers who worship Him in what? And I want to talk about that this morning. To worship Jesus in spirit and in truth. Dustin, you, you, you had a good precursor last night. You said truth. You talked about that truth is a constant. 
Truth is there before you came, and it'll be there after you're gone. I don't know why I'm wearing that. Sorry. Truth is, is, is never-ending, never-failing, the same yesterday, today, and tomorrow. So how do you worship God in truth? To worship in his truth, you need to know two truths. The first truth is you need to know the truth of God, who he is, who you're worshiping, why you're worshiping. And I don't know that I have time to go fully into that, but let, let's just give a little quick little synopsis. God is your creator. Chris talked about molding. That was Chris, right? One of the guys talked about molding the clay and breathing life into man, right? Okay, whew. Yeah, that's right, yeah. So, so, so God made you, and he breathed part of his life, him, his very essence and presence, he breathed in to you. Now, you, you might say, well, that was Adam. Well, do you know who you come from? Okay. But then there was a second wind. And it was an infilling of the Holy Spirit. When Jesus ascended, the Holy Spirit descended and, 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 was, and spread out a cask across the whole earth. And you were filled with that second wind. See, see God is your creator. He's your father. Like I said earlier, he's the Alpha, the Omega, the beginning and the end. The one that you worship is the greatest thing to worship. You couldn't find anything better to worship. You couldn't find anything better that doesn't exist. And there's, even, there's not even like a close a second. <laughs> like, not, like not even close. Understanding who God is is, is vastly important. See, I like to challenge people a lot and ask them why. Lord, Lord said this a couple years ago. He said, ask people why. Why they do what they do. Why they worship who they worship. Do they have an understanding? Do you do it because that's what your parents did? Do you do it because that's what your grandma told you to do? Otherwise, she'd smack you sitting in church. Why do you do what you do? Know who your father is. Know him. Okay, so remember, remember in the Bible... Jesus said there's going to be people who will come up in the end of times and they're going to say, Lord, Lord, didn't we cast out devils in your name? Didn't we cleanse leopards? God, didn't we did? Man, we had lines of people we healed, Jesus. Lines of them. You, you couldn't even see how many. I mean, they, they would fill this building and more. You know what Jesus said? He said, get away from me. I don't what? Know you. That word know in the Greek is the same know when it says that Adam went in and knew his wife. Remember how I told you that God's romantic? It's the same know. God desires intimacy with you. He desires it. It's why he created you. He created you to be in him. To know him. Do you know why we have a lot of people with identity crisis? And I'm not just talking with people with orientation. I'm talking about like Christians. I'm talking about people who've been in church since they were tots. Like they have identity issues because they don't know their father. See, it would be like, it would be like trying to plug, in a, 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 a plug into an outlet, but there's no power on the backside of it. it. There's nothing there. You were created to be connected. There's not, a, there's not a secondary. There's not a backup for you. Your purpose is to be in the Father. 
There's, no, there's not a secondary occupation. There's not another place that you could be. You're supposed to be in him. To know him. To know him. Dustin, you've been talking about being in the secret place, spending more time in the word and on your knees. That's what I'm talking about. I love what, I love what Pastor Givens did the other day where we sat here for five minutes. Can, can we just be honest with each other? How many minutes did it take you for your brain shut up? How many minutes? Don't, maybe don't show me, but like sometimes it takes a couple minutes for your brain to go, come on, cut up. That's how it works. Have you ever just sat on your bed, at the edge of your bed, shut your phone off, shut your teeth? Now, I have kids, so I understand, okay? But let's, let's, let's lay out the perfect scenario. All the kids are asleep, okay? The husband or the wife is in another room, and you just sit there in absolute silence and go, hey, God, I'm here. It can feel awkward. It's okay. I understand that. It feels awkward for me sometimes, too. But you know how happy I am if I get home and my wife's just sitting there and waiting for me? You know how happy that makes me? That she just wants to come and hang out with me? See, he's the same way. He wants you to know him like he knows you. I'm going I'm to back that up. I said, he wants you to know him like he knows you. And he will reveal it to you. Did you know that God has a sense of humor? <laughs> Dustin goes, I'm living proof. I, I, I usually tell people that I am living proof that God has a sense of humor. I mean, if anyone spends any amount of time with you, they'll, they'll get that statement. Any amount of time with me, excuse me, they'll understand that statement. But we need to know the truth of who we worship. God said, Jesus said the time is coming and is now here when God will seek after true worshipers who worship him in spirit and in truth. Know who you worship. Know why you worship. Don't do it because the song sounds good. Don't do it because the band's really kicking. You don't worship for me when I'm up here because I'm not worshiping for you. When I stand back here, none of this is for you. You could not be here and I'd be doing the same thing. Here's why. <laughs> uh, there's some really nice houses back this way. We, I mean, I'm talking multi-million dollar houses. And William was taking me on a drive showing me these houses. He's like, man, look at this house. It's so cool. Look at this house. So cool. And the, and, the, and the Lord just kind of put that in me. He goes, Micah, when you worship, you're taking people on a trip to see things they've never seen before. That is my job. My, I see, see, I've sat at the foot of the Father in worship. I've been on my knees before him, and I just want you to come along with me. I don't do this for you. I do this for him. And if you want to go on a ride, hey, jump in. Let's go. But I, I, I am no, and I'm endeavoring to know the Father that I worship. But you have to do it for yourself. You can't worship him for me because I'm not worshiping him for you. I said, you can't worship him for me because I'm not worshiping him for you. You need to know the God that you worship. You need to understand why you do it. And, and simply the fact that you got to breathe this morning is a pretty dang good reason. <laughs> when you woke up this morning, okay, I want you to try to recall the first thought you had when your eyes opened up. 
Now, for a lot of you who are out of town, the first thought you probably had was, oh, gosh, what time is it? <laughs> All right? When your eyes first popped open this morning and you first breathed that first kind of serene breath of air, tell me, one person, raise your hand, tell me, what did you do to deserve that? What did you do to deserve that breath? How many good things did you do yesterday to get to breathe today? I'll wait. See, I've asked a lot of people this question, and no one seems to be able to come up with a good answer. You know why? Because there is none. The only thing you did to deserve to get up in the morning was accept Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. Because he did it already. See, he, he took what you couldn't take. He did what you couldn't do. He knew what you were going to do before you did it, and he took it anyways. Think about that. Have you ever, has, ever, has anyone ever asked you for advice? And you know, no matter what you tell them, they're going to do something stupid anyways. You could come up with like a PowerPoint presentation of all the reasons why they should not do what they're about to do. But you and I both know, and like you said today, if Jesus was standing right here, he'd know too, they're going to do the other thing, right? See, Jesus is like that. He knows what you're going to do. But he died for it anyways. You need to know the truth about who you worship. You need to know why you do it. If you, if you can just start there, your life will dramatically change. Do you know that God doesn't desire you for the gifts that's inside of you? I said, do you know that God doesn't want you because of the gifts that you have inside you? He desires you because he loves you. He's your dad. He wants to spend time with you. When I get home from work, my kids go, Daddy! And I love that. Come, give them a hug. My young one hugs. My older ones sometimes hug. If you get a hug from my oldest daughter, you are a lucky person. Let me tell you that much. <laughs> so you need to know the truth as to why you worship, why we worship. You need to know who God is. The second truth you need to know is this. You need to know who you are. You need to know who God created. And you need to worship, now easy, through your truth. Okay, okay hold on. I know I just said your truth or my truth. Let me just shh, breathe. Yeah, good, good. Okay, good. Good, 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 good. This is how I looked at it, and Dustin said it pretty good the other night. At least I think it was Dustin. <laughs> it was good as me, he says. <laughs> the other day I was sitting there, and I just had this thought come up, and it's like, have you ever felt like a fish? Okay, follow me. I'm getting some looks. Have you ever felt like a fish? Have you ever just felt like a sardine? But then Jesus needed a miracle. See, do you think those sardines multiplied themselves? Those fish multiplied themselves? How did they become bigger than what they were? How did they become more than their ability? A fish is a fish. How did it become more than? Because they were in the hands of Jesus. 
They were in the hands of Jesus. See, the fish just had to be a fish. The fish didn't have to be more than a fish. It just had to be a fish, and it just had to sit in the hands of Jesus. Am I preaching good or am I preaching good? Come on, listen to me. You don't have to be more than what you are today. You're not in charge of your transformation. John said, I, he said, I'm the true vine. If you abide in me, I'll abide in you. I'll take the garbage in your life and I'll cut it out. I'll take that part of your life that's good and I'll make it gooder. Better, sorry. All you have to be is a fish. You don't have to be nothing more than a fish. That's it. You don't have to try to be anything more than yourself. You just have to be you. Ask me how I know. See, I struggled with identity issues when I was a kid. Not like just, I really had a lot of insecurities. Actually, a kid isn't a good example. Up and through, I mean, I've been married to my wife for about six years and still struggled with, with, with identity issues, who I was supposed to be. And I'd look at great people and preachers and things and, and people I'd admire and, and, I'd, and I'd desire to be something better than myself. Now, if you spend any time with me, I, I'm pretty goofy. Sometimes my jokes don't always land. Sometimes I don't say sayings correctly. I say things like, you know, go, don't go throwing wrenches in fires and people look at you like you're a crazy person. It doesn't make sense. Don't try to figure it out. I promise you. I, do, I combine sayings and stuff like that. Actually, my brother-in-law has a whole list of them because every time I say them, he writes them down and sends them to me. But a couple years ago, if anyone, so I, I'm from Branson, Missouri, um, and if anyone has ever spent any time in the area, it's like a huge tourist town. It'd be like going to Pigeon Forge. There's just billboards everywhere for whatever attraction or whatever museum. And I was driving into Branson from Springfield. It's about a 40-minute drive, and I'm just seeing these billboards and billboards. And I'd love to tell you that I was being super spiritual and like praying in tongues, but I wasn't. I probably just was listening to music and driving. But I was driving along, and the Lord said, Micah, do you see that billboard? I said, yeah. He goes, that's you. And I said what? He said, yeah, you're that billboard. I said, what do you mean? He said, I made you big, bright, and flashy. He said, your job is to get people's attention, and when you have their attention, your job is to point them to me. He said, you've been fighting your created value for your entire life. See, I was a fish, but I was trying to be more. I said, I was a fish, but I was trying to be more. I was fighting who God made me. I admired other men. I saw other people that I thought were funnier, handsomer, stronger, quote unquote, more anointed. And I desired to be like them. And I'm not saying don't set your sights high, but if you're setting them on man, they are far too low. Jesus said, you've been fighting your created value for your entire life. Think about that. <laughs> Jesus said that thing you've been doing your whole life. That's not so good. You've been doing it wrong. He said, just minister from a place of who I made you. Hi, my name is Micah. I'm an anointed one. I have a great dad, and he loves me, and I love to share about him. See, this is just an outward expression of, of my love for the Father. When I, when I worship, it's because I so enjoy spending time with him. It's my favorite thing. It, the, the place that this comes from isn't, I don't spend hours in prayer asking the Lord to anoint me to worship. Don't, don't, get, don't, don't make some weird doctrine out of this, okay? What I do is I just try to fellowship with the Father and then minister and worship out of that place. 
See, we don't know. Sometimes we spend too much time studying and not enough time fellowshipping. There's a fine line there. I'm not saying don't study. Okay, don't come at me with that. But sometimes we try to find so many good words to say and find all the Greek and the Hebrew meanings. And we try to go into this and talk to this theologian and spend all this time on Google and stuff. And Jesus is just sitting here waiting for you. He'd be like, man, if you come hang out with me, you'd give the best sermon you could ever get. Because I'm way smarter than you are and my anointing is way more powerful than you are. And if you would just wait and rest and just minister from who I made you, you'd nail it every time. You have to know who you are to worship in truth. You have to know the truth of who God made you. He says, I, I, I long, the time is coming and is now here when those, I will call to me, those who worship in spirit and truth. He's going to call people who worship in truth. The truth of who he is and the truth of who you are. Do you know who God made you? Now, I'm not, I'm not asking you to answer that today because it, and it, if you don't, aren't entirely sure, that's okay. It's all good. Uh, I don't have the answer as to who you're supposed to be. I actually don't even have an answer to a lot of the questions you could probably ask me. However, I know the one who has the answers. I'm, I'm learning to know him better, and I'd love to introduce you to him. See, his name is Jesus, and he is a righteous dude. He's one of my favorite people. And he has the answer to all of your questions. He has an answer to all of your insecurities. He has the answers to all your desires, all your dreams, all your hopes, all the things that you lie in bed, lie in bed at night with your eyes popped open trying to figure out what the heck am I supposed to do. See, if you can just be who you are today, that's it. Stop. That's your job. Get up. Love Jesus. Be who you are. You know, that, you know what the Great Commission is? Go into all the world and what? Preach the gospel, right? There's more to that. Come on, someone tell me. You all know the Bible. What's the next part of that? Go into all the world. Preach the good news. Make disciples. Another part says cleanse lepers, cast out devils. Okay, we're on the same page. We all read our word. Just want to make sure. Just checking. Just checking. See, a lot of time we read that verse, go into all the world, and we think, one day. One day I'm going to go. One day I'm going to be sent. One day I'm going to go to the ends of the earth. Uh, I'm here to tell you that uh, one day is today. Okay. So if you read that verse in the Greek, you understand what that means. That verse should read, as you go about the world, share the gospel. See, that has a little bit different ring to it because go into the world has a, a ha, we can be a little bit lazy with that. We can say, oh, I'm not ready. One day I'll do it. One day I'll be sent. One day I'll be anointed. One day. But he says, don't wait for one day. He said, just as you go to the grocery store, share the good news. As you go to the bank, share the good news. As you go to the hospital, as you go to church, no matter where you go, share the gospel. Minister from a place of who he made you Today, raise your hand if you know Jesus right now. Come on. Do you know Jesus? Is he your Lord and Savior? Keep your hand up. Is he your Lord and Savior? You can minister today. Ask me how I know. I am the least qualified person to be up here. Ask me how I know. As you go about the world, bring the gospel. What is the gospel? The good news. 
See, we spend so much time idolizing some place we might be one day. Some place we might touch, some place we might see. You can read the scriptures and go, man, look at Paul. Maybe one day I'll start a church. Maybe one day I'll write great, eloquent letters for all of the world to read for thousands of years. <laughs> I've never had that thought, but maybe someone has. <laughs> Mine's more like maybe I'll type a good email and send it out to some people. I don't <laughs> write no letters. <laughs> but see, you, ha- you, ha- you have to know who you are. You have to know the truth about who you are. And that can only come by knowing the truth of who he is. Now, we touched that already, so we're not going to go back there. But, but you, you can, from, from today on, when you, when you go out that door or that door, when you go outside, congratulations, you're in full-time ministry. Congratulations, welcome. You're in full-time ministry. You can share the gospel wherever you go, to whoever you encounter. It's easy. You want me to give you some examples? Would that help? So... If it is within our ability, my wife and I, when we go out to eat, regardless of service, regardless of how good the waiter or the waitress is, we will tip a minimum of half of our bill and up to the entire bill amount. Okay? Now, this does mean we go out to eat less, which is perfectly fine. Okay? Why? Do you know the... The worst day. Do I have any service in here? Is it, has anyone ever served at a restaurant? A couple people. Okay. What's the worst day for tips? Statistically speaking, the worst day for tips is Sunday. What day do you get the most food returned? Sunday. Sunday you receive the, the, the worst tips and the most complaints. What's the common denominator there? See, I, see, I'm trying to change your perspective. So when I go out to eat after church, we had a we went out to eat. There's a restaurant um, where we go out to eat, and it's poor, not like like poor a drink, poor house. And they have these amazing smoked meats and wagyu beef and wings. And y'all should come to Branson just to try it. Okay, it's pretty pretty delicious. And so we had a we had a waiter, and you could tell he was struggling with his identity. And where we live, people are not very accepting of alternative lifestyles. And I'm not saying we should just accept sin, but what I'm saying, there's some hate where we live. We're a little bit too close to some, some very hateful groups down in Arkansas. About 30 minutes from me is there's still an active KKK-like membership there, okay? I live in a pretty hateful place. But that's a good place to live when you have Jesus. <laughs> so you could tell he'd been struggling with just kind of dealing with people on Sundays and and the Lord really put up my heart to tip our entire bill. And it wasn't, I don't know, 50 bucks or something like that. And so I, I, gra- I got his attention. I said, I said hey, I want, I, want you to, I want you to know that we're, we're tipping this amount. And I said, not because I'm trying to brag about myself. I said, because that comes directly from the Lord. And he looked at me pretty curiously. And he goes, well, most, most people say that the Lord wants nothing to do with me. And I was like, that's not true. I'm here to tell you, in fact, that he loves you and he has a plan and a purpose for your life. And I know that it seems hopeless and I know that it seems hard. And I'm just trying to change the perspective of who you think Christians are. And I'm here to tell you that he loves you. And that was it. He cried a little bit and thanked us and gave us a hug and went about his day. It was a busy shift. See, that's as you go into the world, preach the good news. Don't save all your good news preaching for when you're in a church. 
<clears throat> I said, don't save all your good news preaching for when you're in a church. That's the, the square. Yeah, that's where an amen goes. <laughs> yeah, that's where it goes, Elijah. Elijah. That's where the amen goes. Don't save all your good news preaching for when you're in church. See, this is for edifying one another. This is for building each other up. You should be doing a whole lot of good news preaching when you're outside these doors. Actually, most of it should be done there. Most of your good news preaching should be done out there. See, that's ministering from a place of where you are today. That's knowing the truth of who you are. You know what the truth is? Is that you're a son of the most high God. You're a daughter of the most high God. And in Jeremiah 29, 11, it says, I have a, he has a plan for your life. And it's good. How did I get off on that? God is desiring a time when people will come and worship him in spirit and in truth. You know why truth is so important? Jesus told us, in, or sorry, it was told us in John 8, 32. It says, you shall know the truth and the truth shall what? Man, I love freedom. See, the devil's in the business of bondage, and it comes in a lot of forms. He uses shame a ton. Y'all ever felt shame for something? Just me? Okay. So uh, something simple is just like, you know, you're, you're in your kitchen, and your mom's baked some cookies or, or cinnamon rolls. When my Sorry, side note. My mom used to make these cinnamon rolls from scratch, so I grew up in a like, we were kind of pilgrims. Uh, so we would grind flour from wheat, okay? So we would grind it, and we would make fresh bread dough. And then we would take that dough, and we would roll it out, and you put cinnamon and sugar on it. But then my mom would take heavy whipping cream from the cow that we milked, okay? And we would put it in the bottom, and you put brown sugar in the bottom of that pan, and then you put those cinnamon rolls on top of that, and, you, and they just absorb that. <laughs> Dustin's like, I'm out. I'm hungry. <laughs> Sit down, Dustin. Sit down. Okay, come on. See, the great thing about truth is knowing who we are. Knowing who God made us. The truth shall set you free. Man, I really got sidetracked with that cinnamon roll story. I apologize. <laughs> I, was, I was on a roll, and I said this thing about the cinnamon rolls, and then Dustin's like, I'm going. I was like, well, if he's going, I'm going. So it was good. I'll get back there. But we have to minister from a place of truth of who we are. We have to know who God made us and operate through that. Amen. He said, in spirit and in truth. We've covered truth, haven't we? Let's talk about some spirit. God doesn't, you have to know the truth of who he is and know the truth of who you are. But then he said, I desire time where those will worship me in spirit. Would you like to know what, what spirit? Uh, I would just point to the last eight meetings we've just had. Pretty good, pretty good clarity. They've kind of covered that realm for me, but I want to point some things out. You know what my favorite verse is in the Bible about the Holy Spirit? The most powerful one? Okay, there's more than one, but one of my favorite ones. Actually, hold on, I'm getting ahead of myself. Okay, Matthew 3, 1 through 13 talks about John. And he's baptizing people. And he says that I baptize people in a baptism of repentance. Because people had to turn away from their evil ways. But he said, he said one is coming. Who will baptize you in spirit and in fire. 
man, I told you, Dustin nailed it last night. He was like, ooh, I'm, this is, this is, he, I can just jump right on the backside of this. He will baptize you in spirit and in fire. What does that even mean? Dustin was talking about it last night. Imagine you've got a fire, okay? Medium-sized fire. And then someone pours a gallon of gasoline on that. What happens? That's what God is talking about when he says, worship me in spirit. He, he, he's not, he, he said, you need to be meek, not the spirit's meek. Okay? He said, you're supposed to be meek, but he didn't say his spirit was meek. I'm not, listen, you worship the Lord in truth. That's what I'm asking you to do. But some of y'all need to get over yourself a little bit. <laughs> It'd be okay to act a little fool. Do you guys know that one of the fruits of the Spirit is not dignity? Dignity is not a fruit of the Spirit. Let me back that up a little bit. Last people, he got real quiet. He said, one is coming who will baptize you in spirit and in fire. Come on. That, that fire, that spirit is the Holy Spirit. You guys, we, we've been talking about this. The, whole, the Holy Spirit is the facilitator of the word of God. He gets to be the doer. He's the, he's the action behind the word. When God said, light be, what did the Holy Spirit do? He made some light. When he said, when he separated the waters from, from the land, what happened? The Holy Spirit did that. When he said, let's make some trees, let's make some birds, let's make, let's make one of those duckbill platypuses. You know what happened? The Holy Spirit did it. He, he, he's the action behind the word of God. See, the word says the very same spirit that raised Jesus Christ from the dead. Did Jesus raise himself? I mean, they're three in one, so you could argue, yes. But for the sake of this argument, who raised Jesus from the dead? Am I talking word or am I making stuff up? The Holy Spirit overcame the power of hell. He overpowered the gates of Sheol. He was bigger, stronger, better, faster. And he raised Jesus Christ from the dead. He raised the Son of Man. I don't think you all are understanding this. The Son of Man was raised by the Holy Spirit. And then God put him inside of you. He's in you. Inside of you. So when God says, I desire people who will worship me in spirit, he's talking about that spirit. That's the one he's talking about. Because when your spirit gets married with his spirit, that is, a, that, that, is a, that is a force to be reckoned with. See, I'm not ashamed of this gospel. I'm not ashamed to dance and beat bop and move my head and close my eyes because like I said, I don't do this for you. I do this for him. And there's a spirit inside of me screaming out to the Father. If one of you was lit on fire, what would happen? What would happen? The Holy Spirit is no different. You just can't get over yourself.
You just can't get over yourself. I'm not trying to be mean. I'm not trying to call anyone out. I'm not trying to say you're not good. I'm not trying to say you're not love, okay? But we're not all supposed to be little old church ladies just sitting in the pew. Amen, brother. Amen. That's not your job. Your job is to be on fire. See, if you can go, in, as you go into the world and preach the gospel, what happens is you can fall into, I have to be the power behind that. I have to be the power behind preaching the gospel and you're sitting in the line at Starbucks and the guy won't pull up. Have you ever done has that happened? <laughs> you're sitting in the line at Starbucks and there's a guy on his phone two cars ahead of you and people have pulled and he just, just tap, tap, tapping away on his phone. And your, your hand's just hovering over that horn, and you're just like, oh, come on, I need to practice some patience this morning. See, see, if you were on fire, none of that would matter. I said, if you were on fire, none of that would matter. Our job is to go into all the world and preach the good news, but you're not preaching of a place from yourself. You're preaching from a place of submission and relationship with the Father. That fire that ascended, that fire that raised Jesus Christ from the dead falls on you and you can minister from that place through intimacy. Do you see how all of this is tied together? It's not as complicated as we make it. It's not as hard as you think that it is. But the hour is coming and is now here when true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and in truth. For the Father is seeking such people to worship him. God is spirit. And those who worship him must, not can, must worship him in spirit and in truth. Truth. It is not an option. It is a must. You must know the truth of who you are. You must know the truth of who he is. And you must know the truth of the Holy Spirit. None of this is of you. See, I was thinking about that story of the donkey. Elijah, you were talking about that. Did the donkey have any say in what was going on? The Bible didn't say, go ask the donkey if he'll come. The Bible didn't say, plead with the donkey to come and help. The Bible didn't say, pay the donkey some food to come and help. The, what the word said is, he told the man to just go get the donkey. Come on, come on, donkey. And Jesus sat upon the donkey, and the donkey was used. What happened to the donkey after Jesus left? I was thinking about that, right? So what if that donkey's sitting there, oh, man, I must, ooh, this is for me. And then the glory walked off. <laughs> See, without, without the glory sitting on your shoulders, you're just a donkey. <laughs> I was close, Ben. I was this close. I was this close. But we're in church, y'all. Y'all need to behave yourselves. You need to behave yourself. If the glory's not sitting on your shoulders, you're just a donkey. You're out there tied to a post. You're just tied up. You're caught up by the world. You're stuck on something you're not operating your created value. You feel unused. You feel unwanted. 
You feel forgotten. You feel taken advantage of. Man, I've been serving that pastor for 10 years and he ain't never said thank you. You have got no fire and you've got no glory, so you have no use. I said you have no fire, so you've got no glory, so you've got no use, and it's not his fault, it's yours. Because you've gotten into a fence and you've gotten away from intimacy with the Father. I was this close, Ben, I almost said it. See, your, your job is to serve simply. Minister from where you are. Minister from what you know. You don't have to have all the answers. See, Jesus said he'll tell you what to say when you need to say it. Well, how are you going to know what to say if you don't spend any time with him? How are you going to know his voice if you've never heard it before? I said, how are you going to know his voice if you've never heard it before? There have been times in my life where I, I wasn't even trying to minister. But someone came up and, man, the Holy Spirit rose inside of me. And I just, I read their mail. Told them what was going on, why it was going on, the situation they were in, and how to fix it. And then it was over. And they looked at me like I was some kind of freak. I was like, what happened? I, I don't know. That was the Lord. You can go up to anyone. I was telling William this last night. It's not that hard to minister. Do you know that you all can prophesy? Everyone in this room? Really easy. I can give you a prophecy, okay? That if you tell someone this, you'll be right 100% of the time. Okay? Ready for it? You can write it down if you want to. It's that Jesus loves you, and he's got a plan for your life. You're never wrong. You're right every single time. Now, there may be questions that follow that. How is that supposed to happen? See, this is why you need to be filled with the Holy Spirit. This is why you need to spend some time with the Father, because you may not know what you're supposed to say next, but bloop, up out of your mouth, it'll rise, up out of your spirit, it'll rise up. You think you have to have all the answers. You think, I've got to get all my ducks in a row, and if he says this, I have to say that, and if they say this, I have to say that, I'm going to write it down, and it looks like a, you know, a chart and a Christmas tree. Well, if they say why, I say this, and I say that. No! Stop! You just have to be filled with the Holy Spirit. You just have to know the Father. Don't try to figure out every rebuttal and how you're going to respond. Just know Jesus. Minister from where you are. Minister from who he made you. And if you don't like who you are right now, just wait a little bit. You'll like yourself in a minute. If you spend time with the Father, you're going to start looking a little bit like him. Do you ever hang out with people? Okay, so here's how I knew that Elijah was spending some time in Georgia. When he came back for the first time, he sounded like one of y'all. It was hilarious. It's awesome. Now he already sounds a little bit like that because he's from, yeah. But but it was a but he had been he had been away from home for a little bit is what I was trying to say, and he was sounding a little bit more away from homeish. But when he came back, he got immersed in his in his family and in his people. When he came back, he sounded just like he'd been here. Now I say that to say, I want to sound like Jesus. I want to sound just like him when I. When I come visit you at your house, I want you to go, man, you sound like you've been hanging out with Jesus. Because that's what I want to sound like. I want to sound like I've been hanging out with the one that I've been hanging out with. Minister from a place of who you are today. You, you can have vision, but 
don't go beyond where you are. Don't push that. Don't try to be better. Don't try to be smarter. It's really funny, like, I'll tell myself a little bit. Just a little bit. I'll tell myself all the time. A lot just because of my church. I tell myself a bunch. Well, <laughs> that's a very big amen, Elijah. <laughs> uh, uh, so I'm, I'm, watching, I'm watching preachers come up on this pulpit and just the power of God falls. I mean, we have people hooting and hollering and shaking on the ground and the Holy Spirit changing lives. And Elijah, and Elijah comes up the other day and goes, we're not going to have a Friday night meeting. We're just going to have a Friday morning and we'll close it out then. And I thought, you want me to close this thing? This guy, you've met me, you've heard me preach, like, you want me to do this? But see, I don't have to worry about anything other than ministering from a place of where I am. There was thoughts of insecurity that came up. The devil goes, you can't talk as good as these people. You're not good at talking. Of course you did. You don't talk goodly. (laughs) Yeah, you got one, Justin? G-O-O-O-O-O-D-L-E-Y. There you go. Goodly. <laughs> but see, I don't, I don't have to worry about this. I don't have to worry about sounding like Pastor William. I don't have to worry about sounding like Elijah. I don't have to worry about sounding like Dustin or sounding like Rage. You know, all I have to do is sound like Jesus. Hey. Sound like the one that I've been hanging out with. Last night I was taking a shower and I was praying. I was like, okay, Lord, any last words you have? And he's just been, he's just been, he's just been, anything. I just want to make sure in case I miss anything. And that, that verse, this is what he's been saying to my spirit for about six months. Micah, the time is coming and is now here. Micah, the time is coming and is now here. Micah, the time is coming and is now here. And I'm here to tell you that. He is seeking those who will worship him in spirit and in truth. And my question for you is, is that you? Do you think he'll wait forever? Do you think he'll wait for you? Now, he's a good God and he has grace. I'm not trying to say he's just going to leave you in the dust. But if you humble yourself before him and you're ready when he says go, You'll see things you never imagined. You'll you'll be witness to things that you could never dream of simply by being obedient. This is why it's important for us to just, just be at the ready. Be willing. Know who God made you and live from that place. I don't know why that's so strong on my heart. I just think there's so many Christians desiring to be something better than themselves when you don't realize that yourself is exactly who you're supposed to be. See, there may be some junk in there. I get that. There may be some grossness in, in part of that. But, but Jesus didn't ask you to get rid of that. He just said, abide in me. Abide in me and I'll abide in you. You just hang out with me, I'll take care of the other stuff. And you can still minister from that place. I give my church homework. William, you ever done this? You ever given your church homework? Maybe. I give my church homework. I don't know if they do it or not. Some, I don't know if they lie to me. I hope not. But I, I go out and I say, okay, today when you guys leave, tell one person that Jesus loves them. Just go tell one person. And I say, not from this church. Okay, don't go out the back door and tell so that No, that doesn't count. That doesn't count. Okay. Go away, someone who did not come to this church this morning, and tell someone that Jesus loves them. 
it's amazing to see how hard that is for people. I don't want to call anyone out. But all that, all that anxiety is built up, built up of identity. They don't think they're good enough. They don't think they have enough words. Or what if they don't like me? Or what if they say this? Or what if they don't say that? Listen, you have to get over them so you can get over you. It does not matter. I said, you have to get over them so you can get over you. You're just a donkey. Do you want the glory to sit on top of you? You better be where you're supposed to be waiting for when he calls you. Our job is to be who we are when we are. Doing the right thing, with the right time, with the right people. I can tell you, I have been ordered by heaven to be right here, right now. And if you don't like what I'm saying, and I'm not saying this to offend anyone, I have no care of it. Does that make sense? I do not take care in your rebuttal for what I've said. Now, if Pastor William Elijah take me in the back and go, hey, brother, <laughs> I might take into consideration, <laughs> okay? But I don't take care of what people say because I cannot let the word of man be elevated over the word of God of who I am. Micah, you said that weird. You didn't pronounce this word right. It was this verse, not that verse. Stop. You're missing the point. You sat in the service the whole time, and all I could do is pick out something wrong. That means there's something wrong with you, not something wrong with me. I'm going to go now. No, I'm joking. <laughs> that was a mic drop moment. <laughs> Lennon, Lennon told me to drop the mic. <laughs> it's hard for people to just simply say Jesus loves you because they don't know that Jesus loves themselves. We make it so complicated. Humans are a pretty complex entity. I'm not trying to downgrade that. But we make it way more complicated than it is. You know what my favorite verse for myself is? Is trust in the Lord with all of your heart and lean not on your own understanding. In all of your ways, acknowledge him and he will direct your path. Woo! You mean I don't have to make decisions for my life anymore? You mean that I'm not responsible for paying my bills? You know, it's not my job to heal my family. It's not my job to figure out what I'm supposed to do tomorrow. Let's go. Sign me up. I, when Becky and I first got married... <laughs> Uh, this is my wife, Becky, raise your hand. My wife, my two beautiful kids, one of them's underneath the pew. It's been a long week. You'll have to forgive him. So when we first got married, we first got married. Uh, have you ever lived paycheck to paycheck, but where you don't make enough to pay your bills every week? Have you ever done that? You just constantly live from being in the red and being in the red, and then you take one credit card and pay it off with another credit card. You ever done that? Just me? Okay. So what would happen was, I'd be working at Panera making $7.50. No, I think when we got married, I was making $11 an hour. Woohoo! I was making $11 an hour, big time. <laughs> got myself some suspenders. No, um, so we, I was working at Panera, and I was making $11 an hour, and we, had, we owed way more money than we ever made. I mean, we made more money than we, we owed more money than I could even fathom in my life. And Becky would call me, Micah, a bill came in, and we owe X amount of dollars. What are we going to do? And I said, I don't know. It's not my job. And she goes, what? Can I tell on you a little bit, babe? Is that okay? Okay. She goes, what do you mean it's not your job? Your job is the husband. You're supposed to provide. And I said, no, that is not my job. And she got real mad at me all the time. And that lasted a couple of years. But what would happen is, <laughs> I'm joking, I'm joking, I'm joking, I'm joking. 
We're good now. It's fine. She came with me to Atlanta, so you know we're good. We spent 10 hours in a car together, so we're just fine. But she used to get so mad at me because she thought she, she had an understanding that the man is supposed to provide. The man's job is to protect. The man's job is to love. And the man's job is to raise his children in the way that they should go, to be the Godhead for his family. That's the man's job. That's my occupation when it comes to my family. Provider, not on that list. Healer, not on that list. See, it's easier than we think it is. But we inject ourselves into the situation a little bit too much. We inject our thoughts into the situation more than we should. We inject our ideas into the situation more than we should when you should just let go. I tell my church a lot, and I don't know if they like it or not, but I tell people all the time, you got to get over yourself, man. You've got to get over yourself. You're your biggest hindrance. You know what your problem is? It's standing above your mirror in your ba- above your sink in the bathroom, okay? Go, when you find that person, that's who the problem is. Go into your bathroom, look above your sink, and that's who your problem is right there. There's a mirror there. I don't know if you guys have a mirror. Okay, I just want to make sure. It's you. You're the problem. Okay, I just want to make sure I got some looks across the... Maybe y'all don't have mirrors in your bathrooms. That's fine. I just want to make sure. See, when we involve ourselves into God's business, he'll take his hands off it. I said, when we put ourselves into God's business, he'll take his hands off it because he's not an imposing God. You have free will. He's going to let you run your life the way you want to run it. How would I, I get there, man? Whew. What I'm here to tell you, I guess, would be this. And I think that I might be contemplating the possibility of starting to think about closing. Yeah. I, I guess what I'm here to tell you is this, is that if I can do this, you can. I said, if I can do this, you can. See, I grew up a very humble farm boy. I could tell you more about milking cows and butchering chickens than you would probably care to know. You guys know how to preg check a cow? (laughs) I do. (laughs) I will not share that with you. (laughs) I don't even like how that sounded. Yeah, it's as bad as it sounds. I can tell you all kinds of things about this stuff. I was homeschooled most of my life, and so the devil used that to tell me that I was stupid, that I was illiterate. I, I can read and write, okay, I just want everyone to know. But he lied to me my whole life. I was a middle child, so I always felt unheard. I always felt like the younger ones got more attention and the older ones were louder and bigger than me. So when I, when I was younger, I, I, I kind of developed this way of talking really fast and really loud because I thought if I can just get a moment of time to get my little thing in there, my little rebuttal, my little saying. And I, and I just kind of lived my life that way with that expectation. And I would read verses in the Bible. I'd read 1 Corinthians 13 and go, man, that's a great chapter. Love keeps no record of wrongs. That's an amazing statement. Love keeps zero record of wrong. Love believes all things. It hopes all things. It endures all things. And I thought, hey, that's a good verse. I should, that should be me. I'm going to be the love guy. When people see me, they see love. So I began to try to manifest that in my life. I want you to see the wrong, the wrong thing in that, that statement. I said, I began to try to manifest that in my life. And I was good at it. 
I'm bragging on myself, but it's not a good brag, okay? Just follow me. I was good at it. And I was tired. And I was just as insecure when I, insecure when I went home. I've actually asked people this that I grew up with. And I said, when, when I figured out who God made me, all this stuff, I asked them, I said, what, when, I was a, when I was a teenager and you met me in youth or whatever, did you ever think that I had insecurities? What did you think about me? And they would say, man, I always thought that you were so loving and you were so kind and you were, you know, all this and that. And I thought, I was tortured for eight years. I'd go home and I would look in the, and I, I wouldn't look in the mirror. I, you understand, I would not look at myself because I was ashamed of who I was. Or I was embarrassed of, 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 of who I was. Everyone else saw Micah's manifestation of 1 Corinthians 13 in my life. And I fooled a lot of people. But what, what, what good did it do for the kingdom and what good did it do for me? But when I find out who I really was and that God made me this. Hello. Yeah. Come on. The freedom that came from that. See, you don't have to be anything but a fish. And God can take that fish and put it in his hands and multiply it. His glory can rest upon that thing and make it so much bigger and so much better than it is right now. And all you have to do is be you. Be the person you are today. I'm not saying don't aspire to be better, but I'm saying stop putting your sights on something that's make-believe. Stop putting your sights on man. Stop putting your sights on what you think you should be and just put your sights on Jesus and one day you'll wake up and you'll be there. We did it. We made it through Spirit Wind Conference 2021 from Atlanta, Georgia. What an amazing time in the Word. And that concludes Season 2. But Season 3 is right around the corner. Oh my goodness, and it's going to be an amazing time. We're going to talk about is socialism biblical. We're going to talk about repentance. We're going to talk, oh, it's going to be good. I can't tell you all of it. But until then, guys, my name's Elijah Merle. And remember this, greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world.